Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Lily Kinnanen. She is founder and chief designer at Changemaker Creative. We're going to talk about the world of cannabis and packaging and branding. Really interesting area. I think this is one of those sort of fascinating spots of areas of cannabis that people don't think about, which is sort of the packages that we put things in. Obviously, it is the kind of the thing that consumers interact with initially, you know, when you're in a dispensary, you're in a store, seeing the packaging, seeing its branding, seeing the information. It's very much how brands show up, particularly in a world where a lot of the marketing kind of branding and marketing advertising world is somewhat curtailed given the legal status, you know, packaging is becoming very important. Not only that, we're dealing with a product that is organic, has a shelf life in many cases. So technically how you're packaging things uh, becomes really key in terms of the quality of the product you're getting. And then there is all sorts of logistic elements uh, of packaging when you're dealing with operations and inventory and supplies and processes and 
the volume and how things kind of go together are all kind of part of the package world. So lots of different facets here. Um, excited to have the conversation and, and what Lily's been doing and her experience and knowledge and really insights on the cannabis space. So with all that, Lily, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Before we dive into the world of cannabis packaging today, we'd love to get a little bit of the story. How did you get into packaging, into branding? How did you get into cannabis? Give us the uh, give us the backstory. Sure. Yeah, I've always been a designer. I used to work in an agency. And then after moving to California, I was actually working in nonprofits. I was doing like annual reports and appeal letters and stuff like that for nonprofit organizations in like environmental and social justice world. And then the cannabis thing just kind of happened. <laughs> I had been working on some uh, sustainable consumer products. And then a friend of mine had gone to a cannabis trade show. And then she called me all excited, like, Lily, it's finally, it's finally happened. It's not like, <laughs> it's here. Like, it's, it's, it's not like ugly anymore. We should start an agency. And at the time I had been doing the nonprofit thing for like 10 years. And I was a little bored of it, to be honest. Because it's every year, it's the same thing. So I was like, sure, <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. let's start an agency. <laughs> so we started a pretty short-lived partnership where she was the copywriter and I was the designer. Um, mm -hmm. But I fell in love with the cannabis industry. This was in like 20, 2016. Okay. So I entered in at the perfect moment for yep. California. So yeah, so I started Changemaker Creative doing basically the same thing, but just solo. And mm -hmm. here I am. Yeah. And I'm curious, given your you know background in kind of other areas or other industries or applying kind of branding packaging to other areas, what was it about cannabis or, or how were you able to transfer your knowledge and skill set into cannabis directly? And what areas didn't transfer so well? I'm always, I always love hearing kind of what parlayed well into new space and what didn't. Yeah, for sure. It's, it is different. Like, on the surface, you're like, well, it's it's like a luxury consumer good, like yeah. just like anything else. But it, it really isn't. It has its own culture and the quirks. So for me, it meant doing a lot of research. Like I was not a huge cannabis user at the time. Like I yep. pretty much started cannabis in my 30s, tried in college, hated it, <laughs> never tried it again until my 30s. So I was really enjoying doing the research. I'm nothing if not a good study. I, I like yeah. <laughs> my highlighter pens and <laughs> getting to know something deeply. So I love it. Yeah. What were the, you know, when you talk about kind of learning the product, I mean, I, how much with this was kind of really kind of understanding the product and where the product was at that point, understanding the industry, understanding the legal side, you know, regulatory issues. I mean, how, how what was your kind of your curriculum like when, when you started getting involved in cannabis? Yeah, all of the above. So uh, learning like the history of the plant from like ancient China to like hippies in Humboldt mm -hmm. and um, learning all of that and kind of the legalization history too and war on drugs and like understanding that background because it has such an effect on things still happening now. Yeah. And then also like getting into the science because... I'm nothing if not a nerd, so I really wanted to understand because it kind of sounds so outlandish when cannabis can help with so many things. Like, how can one thing help with so many things? But yeah. understanding the endocannabinoid system, like, it just really does. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the, I think, challenges that most people stumble into when you get into cannabis is the regulatory issues and legal issues. 
how I mean, you were in, focusing on the California market. I guess how much were you really just deep dive on California? How much were you looking at kind of the broader cannabis market, other states? You know, what did you need to kind of navigate and strategically make decisions around in terms of where you were going to focus? Yeah, I started with California, so working on my local city regulations and state regs. Mm-hmm. I'm now in the phase where I'm uh, expanding, so I'm. I feel like every weekend I'm reading another state's regulations. Right now I'm reading Massachusetts. <laughs> this sounds sounds like great reading material. <laughs> yes, it's fascinating. Got my highlighter. I'm ready. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, so I've uh, currently up to date on, to say, like half a dozen states. Mm-hmm. And what are you looking for? I mean, I'm curious how much of this is, you know, regulatory things that directly affect packaging versus kind of more general understanding of regs when it comes to kind of working with clients and understanding what their issues and concerns are. Like, how do you, like, what are the things you're looking for and and how do you kind of identify stuff that's going to affect you? Yeah, I I read the whole regs because there's so much there that can kind of have a effect after all. Mm -hmm. For example, understanding the California regulations. I had a client who was really wanting to do cupcakes that were infused. Okay. So we were trying to figure out, okay, how do we package fresh cupcakes? And then yeah. starting to like understand how the testing and manufacturing, like how many ways you have to like homogenize things and understanding all of that, we just realized that like by the time the cupcake would end up in the consumer's hands, it's basically going to be a Twinkie. <laughs> With like, I mean, it's just going to be old. Like, it's going it, to take a while. Yeah, exactly. So the idea of doing like, hey, fresh from the oven cupcakes probably wasn't feasible. No. So I, what, what I ended up suggesting was let's do like a frosting pack. That's the infused part. And then a cupcake separate so that the customer can like swirl it on themselves. They ended up making cookies instead, which is <laughs> a lot easier. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So by kind of seeing what the regs were, you say, well, we could, because the frosting would last longer, it would have a shelf life and stable and things like that. Then you could just supply a non-cannabis cupcake and just that, that could be a, a quick supply process separate from the icing itself. So you could just put it on the, put the icing on. Of course, the, the problem there is that I would just eat the icing and then I would right. probably <laughs> consume too much. <laughs> Uh, interesting. Yeah. So tell me more, like when you work with a client, like what's your process? Tell me a little bit about how, you know, the, the types of clients you, you work with and then how do you kind of, I guess, assess them, diagnose the situation, engage with them. Give me a little insight. Yeah. Typically my clients are at the phase where they have an idea and some, some small amount of funds to make their dreams come true. So I'm usually their second hire. They might have gone to a lawyer first and then I'm the second person they talk with. And yeah, it's never too early to involve a designer, especially if you're in need of like a name, naming or branding, because the, the branding workshop that we do can end up affecting your entire, entire product. Um, I just recently had a project where she had a plan of like what she wanted her farm to be like, but mm-hmm. through our workshop, ended up kind of tweaking the whole idea. Uh, we kept the name that she had because it was great, but we mm-hmm. ended up tweaking the kind of the approach after doing some research on her competitors okay. and realizing that we really wanted to be like very different from the others. Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting to sort of figure out how kind of brand strategy, 
dovetails into business strategy mm -hmm. and kind of understand like how you're really going to differentiate the market. And then from a brand point of view, how do you communicate that? Yeah, I guess how do you how do you grapple with the or I guess what do you expect in terms of a client coming to you with a clearly defined, complete strategy, business strategy? Or is that something you kind of kind of depends? Like sometimes, yeah, you get a, a really fleshed out strategy. Sometimes like there really is nothing and you have to kind of do it for them. Yeah, it, it really depends. So like one set of clients that I recently worked with, they were um, marketing and branding professionals from mm -hmm. consumer goods, like from normal business. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I get the farmer who's yeah. like business has been like, well, I we call a guy. Plant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we love the plant. We just got to get more plant out there. Yeah. And, and I guess, what do you look for in terms of when you are working with a prospect or you're talking with someone about uh, potentially working together? What are the things that are key for you that you know that are going to help make that a successful engagement, successful partnership? What criteria are you looking for? I'm really looking for people who are, this is going to sound sappy, but like people who are doing things for the right reasons. So yeah. if they're actually passionate about the thing that they're doing and have a bit of a pure heart, like I've actually declined projects where, for example, this one guy, like he was proud of the fact that he had only once smoked cannabis. He thought all cannabis users were stupid potheads. And he was starting a cannabis <laughs> business. I'm like, I, I, I can't work with you. He was a bit of an asshat in other ways too. So that wasn't the only reason, but like, I'm like, I, I don't want to work with you. Like you're, yeah. you're a terrible person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like there was just kind of motivation and general values and principles they were operating from. Yeah. I have a strict no assholes rule. <laughs> I think it's generally, I like every company should have that, yeah. but yes, I'm glad <laughs> that it's articulated for you. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. And then so for the clients that you really enjoy working with, like what is like, how does the relationship work? What are you doing? What are they doing? What do they bring to the table? What do you bring to the table? Like how does the partnership kind of form? Yeah, every project is a little different, but like typically we have, we sit down, talk about kind of what they want to achieve. What's, what's the most important thing for them in our brand strategy work session. We, um, typically come up with kind of the, what I call their uh, secret sauce, kind of what the, mm -hmm. what the magic ingredient is in there, what makes them special. We talk about their competitors, kind of what the price point that they're going to sell the product in. Like most of my clients haven't done their cogs yet at this point. Right. Okay. Interesting. Cause mine are, they're kind of small and they don't really know. And that's the, that's where I can help a little bit. I'm not a business person by any means, but mm -hmm. I can help them like realize what they don't know and then they yeah. can go and figure it out. And how do you go from kind of idea, like brand ideas to actual packaging solutions, you know, the sort of the technical details and, you know, something that actually gets on the shelf? Yeah. So, so the big idea typically comes out of the, the discussions where we discuss kind of what the main, main big idea is. And then Going into visual research, I love pouring through like old, old books and like art, fine art and stuff and just like compiling a mood board where kind of okay. the visual idea comes from. For example, a project that I'm currently working on. Let me think what I can say where I'm not spoiling anything. So the name <laughs> of the name of the company is Kinetic. Okay. So we went with kind of the idea of kinetic energy and 
It's also, um, it's a gummy product that will be infused with vitamins. So it's okay. really a health product. So I also look at like those brain maps where how THC affects the brain and like those neuron maps are really beautiful. So that was the inspiration for the logo. So it's, it's like movement and uh, kind of swooshy lines and on the packaging, how we want to apply that is by having some like shiny bits and matte bits where when you move the package, oh, it will like have like kinetic movement. Mm -hmm. so, so it kind of morphs as you, as you change the angle. Right. Yeah. So, and then the packaging project that's half art, half engineering, like with a gummy, you have to think about how it's going to be shipped, how, how it's going to be stored for a year, mm -hmm. how the gummies are not going to melt. Yeah. Will the gummies actually fit in this happen. container? <laughs> yeah. How are people going to be like, will this fit into people's pockets? Or is this something they have on the nightstand? Like you, you have to think about how it's going to be used as much mm -hmm. as uh, making it pretty. Yeah. And do you do, um, do you do any kind of research or consumer testing around some of these things? I mean, some of the stuff I always find uh there can be surprises mm -hmm. <laughs> when you actually get it into someone's hands and they start doing something with it. And you're like, Ooh, I didn't expect that. Like how, how do you kind of stress test uh, some of these solutions? Yeah. I, I have very small hands. So <laughs> <laughs> the first test is like, can I open it? And yeah. if I can't, I'm not going to recommend that to my customers because mm -hmm. it's frustrating. The ones where you have to hold it from two sides and then use your other hand and like, my fingers don't reach on both sides of the container. Like, yeah, this is, this is a no-go. Yeah. A lot of my clients do some kind of, I wouldn't call them studies, but asking friends and family to like, hey, do you like this? Can you open this? Yeah. So just kind of do, do some immediate ad hoc kind of consumer testing, user testing to just make sure that we haven't missed anything obvious in the, yeah. in the design and things. Especially um, if, it's, it's, if it's for older people, like if your target market is older people, you want to make yeah. sure that they can actually open it. Yeah. It's not adult proof. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like to say, um, what are the, some of the other factors? I mean, obviously the visual kind of brand communication, you mentioned some of the opening logistics, being able to deal with environmental kind of conditions. Like what else is on your checklist for, you know, what you need to consider when developing a packaging solution. Yeah, the sustainability thing is a big one. Um, it's kind of my my thing that I'm uh -huh. really passionate about. So most of my clients are at least wanting to explore some of the sustainability options. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my job is to explain sustainability because it's not quite as simple as like, <laughs> yeah. is it recyclable? Well, yes, but that's just like one small part of the thing. Mm -hmm. And with yeah, what else goes into Yeah. Because I, I mean, I see this all over the, everyone. I mean, you see it in every industry, but particularly in cannabis right now, a lot of, you know, focus on sustainability, but you know, like, like you mentioned, it, it's complicated. Like what are the facets of sustainability that a business needs to think about when it comes to kind of their packaging and the things that go into packaging? Yeah. I like to um, consider the source material. So whether it's like a oil based plastic or if it's like a plant based like paper product the material has a big impact then the biggie that not enough people think about is like where and how it was made so if it's heavy glass piece made in china mm -hmm. and shipped on a plane over here 
like that's that has a huge impact yeah and whether that glass is recyclable at the end is not going to negate the fact that it took a lot of energy to get it made and yeah, get it over here. a whole bunch of carbon in the air yeah <laughs> flying things around and then the recyclability like that's one part of it mm-hmm. but what i want to encourage a lot of my clients to think about is is there any way we could make this a refill so if you're adamant that you want the nice glass jar mm-hmm. and there are um, recycled glass that you can get from stateside doesn't have to come from china mm-hmm. is there then like a refill pouch maybe a compostable pouch you could sell so that the customer only buys the heavy thing once and then just refills and reuses the original container there's now even um, in Colorado, they finally have a program where you can take back your jars and tins and they can mm-hmm. clean them and allow them to be reused and refilled. Oh, so they can actually, so the, the original manufacturer can take them back and mm-hmm. um, process them, clean them and uh, reuse them in their original, new original packaging. Interesting. Yeah. And how do you deal, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming all these things have various kind of cost applications. I mean, how, how do you kind of model or work with a client in terms of, you know, price points, you know, unit costs for these things, processing costs, setup costs. What do the economics look like when you look at packaging solutions? Yeah, the sustainable stuff has really come down in price as they get to scale. Like it used to be more like it's double the cost. And in some cases it still is, but there's a lot of stuff out there that is sustainable, but is only maybe like a couple cents or 20 cents more. So it becomes a lot more feasible and especially like thinking about how important it is to consumers. I saw a statistic where two out of three consumers of any age, including like boomers and elderly people, consider sustainability when they make purchase decisions. And that's like high, very much higher with uh, millennials Uh and, and like very high with the Gen Z. Yeah, I'm sure. And what, how, um, when you go to actually produce these things, like what are the considerations when it comes to, you know, a supplier and, you know, evaluating uh, capabilities for, you know, folks that actually provide these packaging, like what do you do or, or what's the process look like to actually source some of this raw material and then actually people that can manufacture this package for, for, um, for the actual production part. Mm-hmm. A lot of my current clients being kind of on the smaller smaller end so mm-hmm. availability like can we buy this in a quantity lower than 200,000 pieces yeah. is is a big one it's been the year of uh, supply chain chaos so <laughs> exactly whether, you and every other industry <laughs> yeah so can we actually buy this yeah um yeah. how I long had, is it gonna take yeah i had a client who was wanting glass jars and i called my glass jar guy and he's like yeah i can sell this to you but just so you know we are out of glass we are out of the powder coating powder that we use to coat the glass, and my screen printing guy is out. And oh yeah, and the cap material is also uh, backlogged. So, <laughs> so, so it's going to be you can't really sell me anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you notice a trend there? I mean, I know, I know traditionally, you know, the, the sort of low cost China Asia market has you know done a lot of this manufacturing, and for a while there was kind of shift to the U.S. or shift to more local production, North American production for, you know, kind of, um, you know, various political cultural reasons. And then supply chain stuff hit. And so now people are looking at it. What, what are you noticing about people's trends or general industry trend about where 
you know, where things are getting manufactured, why, how, any insights there? Yeah, I see a lot of my vendors shifting or at least adding, adding on. There's been a trend of adding. So tin, tin packaging tends to have been always made either in India or China. But uh-huh. I'm seeing that getting pushed to either, either like in U.S. or like Mexico. Uh-huh. So to avoid kind of the, well, the port of Shanghai is closed, so we can't get anything out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have Chinese New Year or right. you know, we, the L.A. port is stuck and things are sitting on offshore waiting to be unloaded. Yeah. Yeah. So um, stuff like that is uh, it has been and everything is just kind of backlog. It's not just like materials from overseas. So like paper, yeah. for example, has gotten a lot more expensive and less available. And that's made in the U.S. or Canada. So it's it's all over. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the the cupcake scenario. Any other interesting kind of product categories or product form factors or, um, you know, things that you've kind of run into that have been interesting challenges from a packaging solution in the cannabis space? Yeah, um, topical. So one of my clients is a high-end cosmetics, like skincare products. We have eye cream and a face serum and like massage oil and stuff like that. And packaging products like that where it's child resistant was quite a challenge. Um, this was back in like 2018. We were looking for a box because we didn't want the eye cream jar to have a child resistant cap because that would just be annoying for the consumer. And no kid is going to eat eat it. It doesn't taste good. So we wanted to put it in a child resistant box and finding a box that was deep enough for a cylindrical package was quite the challenge. Uh, we ended up finding one that was really beautiful and did like foils and it was it was very like luxurious and high end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like a lot of the boxes that were made at the time were meant for like a vape pen or pre-rolls. So yeah. nobody was thinking about topicals or if they were offering topicals packaging, it was like the white, like something that you would get like hemorrhoid cream in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For the tra- traditional traditional form factor for for that what um what are the trends you see going on in cannabis that are are either directly related to to kind of branding and packaging or end up affecting branding and packaging in different ways yeah i'm seeing a lot of um, interesting new materials getting used so there's stuff that's made with mushrooms where they grow mushrooms into shapes and that becomes like a styrofoam alternative oh interesting um there's like seaweed plastic wrap now and potato uh-huh. like cling wrap so the you know like on a for example like a tobacco packet you have the crinkly plastic around it yep. we could have something like that in a pre-roll packet but it's made out of algae instead <laughs> of like uh, petroleum yeah so the, could you just eat these things at the end <laughs> you could <laughs> i don't know how it would taste but <laughs> you could digest it yeah i went to uh, a demonstration of this material and the they they did like chomp a piece out of it just to prove mm-hmm. how clean it is <laughs> you, you didn't see them eight hours later when they were trying to pass it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure it's not good fiber for you yeah, yeah exactly um if, if i give you a magic wand and you could change anything about sort of the cannabis space right now like what what would you change that would either help your job or help your clients like what what is the big challenge or the big bottleneck that you see mm. And just one. <laughs> just one thing. Yeah, I want to change. 
a lot of things. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I would love to get a bit more common sense in some of the regulations. Yeah. So things like pre-rolls, for example, like it's kind of dumb that they need to be packaged in a child-resistant thing because if your kid eats a pre-roll just cold or flour, mm-hmm. it's not going to do anything. Yeah, it's, it's it has no effect because it's not right. carboxylated. Yeah. So if your kid knows how to operate a lighter, they can probably <laughs> then operate the child-resistant box too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. If they could, if they could figure out how to smoke it, they could yeah. figure out how to get into it anyway. Yeah. yeah, I'm always fascinated on kind of the regulations, and of course, then my my thought process is always okay. So, what were they thinking? Like there, there was some logical decision from their mm-hmm. point of view that ended up in in some of this stuff, and then you know, then we can kind of back up from there and say, okay, like I get it, but maybe there's a better way. And yeah, I think you know, it's the nature of any early stage industry, but it's certainly in cannabis where there's some certainly highly imperfect regulations out there and hopefully over over the course of time they will get kind of adjusted and corrected and and coordinated i mean you know hopefully the states can start aligning and and we won't have as much kind of difference state by state which i know is a challenge yeah it's been a pleasure if people want to find out more about you more about changemaker what's the best way to get that information i have a website changemakercreative.com where you can see some of my design work and go over all the things all the different ways to work with me i do branding design packaging design i also now offer a new thing Mm -hmm. that is uh, i call it the design day where you can book me for a full day we can work on whatever you need done whether it's like a pitch deck or uh, social media graphics or i've even done a logo during the design day just like Uh a quickie one i don't recommend that necessarily but for this particular use it was fine uh, she was very happy with it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that's like a new thing that I'm offering. I'm also on LinkedIn a lot. So come find me there and hang out with me there. Awesome. I'll make sure that all the links and the handles and everything are in show notes so people can click through and get that. Lily, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, this is fun. Thanks. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.